Lake Park City Council meeting is now called to order. Administrator, would you please call the roll? Council members Wendling? Here. Goodwill Bischoff? Here. Dirks? Here. Moran? Here. Mayor Nelson? Here. Would everybody please rise for the Pledge of Allegiance? I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Thanks, everybody. Additions or corrections, uh, counselor, staff, are there any additions or corrections to tonight's agenda? Hearing none, we will move on to uh, discussion from the floor. Is there anybody here that has to approach City Council for something that's not on tonight's agenda? That, that, that'll come later. The, the, the truth of taxation's in a little while, so you'll have to bear with us, because that is, that is on tonight's agenda. Uh, that'll be coming up at Dan, correct? Well, the rental property won't, but... Rental property, uh, there was no increase in, in that from this year to 2024. Last year, I paid uh, 560 for my building. This year, I have to pay 900 plus. I would say that's an increase. Yeah, that was a year behind. So, yeah, that was last year's fee change. Uh, do you want to address this now, or do you want to take that under truth and taxation? Uh, we, can, we can address it during truth and taxation. Okay. I have a seat, sir. Uh, other discussion from the floor tonight, we have Peter Lindstrom from the 10th, 10th District 10 <laughs> Council Member, Metropolitan Council. If you would please, Peter. Thank you, Mayor. Uh, good afternoon or good evening, everybody. I'm Peter Lindstrom, and I do have the pleasure of being the representative for District 10 for the Met Council. Uh, which incorporates, um, uh, gosh, I'm not going to name all of the cities, but Blaine, Spring Lake Park, uh, on south to Falcon Heights, Roseville area. And we just were redistricted uh, just this past year, and I have the pleasure of being redistricted into Spring Lake Park. So I'm, and I'm, Dan tells me that this <coughs> is the first time that there's been a, uh, a Met Council member coming to you, and so I'm happy to be here because there's just a lot of interaction um, between the Met Council and the city. So I just want to take a couple of minutes and, number one, introduce myself. I handed out my business cards. Please do not hesitate to call me about any matter, big or small, that um, is connected to the big buckets uh, of um, areas that, that we tackle. Before that, you may have noticed I got some Spring Lake Park swag on today. I met with Dan a few weeks ago, and he handed this to me. I was looking at it this morning, and I saw the, the tagline that you have, um, history, community, and home. And I should back up and by saying I was the mayor of Falcon Heights. I, I served on the city council and was mayor for about 20 years. 
up until I was appointed as Met Council in 2019. And during that time, we had our own city logo contest, and we asked kids in our city to come up with suggestions. They ultimately selected families, fields, and fair, state fair, of course, in Falcon Heights. But my favorite was Falcon Heights, no falcons, no heights. <laughs> Yours is a lot better. I think I, I like history, community, and home. But uh, that's a close second there. Um, anyway, so the, the, the big buckets that the Met Council touches on, uh, which is also uh, many of these are connected with your city operations, or city interests include wastewater, so we operate nine wastewater treatment plants, 600 miles of interceptor sewer that connects to uh, city sewer systems, and then water supply planning, so planning for, for water that is so important for, for all of us. Uh, we're involved in um, transit and transportation planning. We operate the largest HRA, Housing and Redevelopment Authority, in the state. So we have 7,000 uh, affordable housing federal uh, vouchers that we administer. Um, and, then, uh, and then we partner with uh, the 10 parks implementing agencies. So uh, think Ramsey County Parks and um, Three Rivers Parks, uh, St. Paul uh, Parks, things like that. To both fund those projects and, and to do planning within those parks agencies. I have a prop um, with me talking about wastewater. Dan, I'll hand this to you. This actually is a bottle of treated wastewater. Mind not touching it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was uh, the, one of the last cities I, I was at. Um, I went to the city council for Blaine uh, a few months ago, and one of the council members said, it looks like gin. It is most definitely not gin. Would not recommend mixing it with anything. But that is, that is our wastewater. Uh, you can imagine it is much, much cleaner uh, than, than the way we receive it. And in fact, it is cleaner that water is cleaner than the, uh, the river water. Um, uh, and so um, there's an interesting story I, I heard. You know, that has not always been the case. Um, uh, our rivers were essentially treated uh, like, uh, like sewage pipes um, back in the day. And there was, about 100 years ago or so, in this area, a fish survey. And it surveyed fish between, I think it was between St. Paul and Red Wing on the Mississippi River. And they found three fish. Not three types of fish, three fish total in the entire survey in that entire length of Mississippi River. You think about the worst parts 
back again 75, 100 years ago. The worst areas to live were next to the river. Thankfully, we made a lot of progress uh, and Met Council Environmental Services is doing all that we can to make sure that uh, we keep our rivers clean and make them even cleaner. We send Dan a big bill every month about, I want to say about $50,000, give or take. Um, and, uh, and that is our wholesale wastewater sewer rate. You then decide uh, to, um, to add to that uh, and, um, and, and assess a fee to your homeowners or businesses homeowners and businesses, and that, I'm guessing, is to take care of your own infrastructure needs, which you have done a great job of, uh, particularly in the area of inflow and infiltration, or I&I. This is clean water that is seeping into our pipes, um, which really needs to be addressed um, because when, because we should not be cleaning already clean water. That only um, increases our costs, which increase your costs. So the more that you can do to uh, address your infrastructure, the more we better we all are better off in the region. And um, to that point, I want to make sure you're aware that there's a new, well, uh, there's a grant program that's being rolled out called the Water Efficiency Grant Program. Um, we're going to be sending out a press release on this tomorrow, I believe, so keep your eyes out for that. Um, it's a way, it's been around for a few years, and it's a way uh, for homeowners to get a rebate for water efficient appliances um, uh, through the city. So the city applies to the Met Council, the city gets funds, and then the city administers a rebate program. It's proven to be exceptionally popular um, in 30, 40, 50 cities across the region that have done it for the last few years and there's no cost to the, or a very limited or, or zero cost to the city. Um, interestingly, we, uh, we had a wastewater worker this past summer going about his business and saw a little, little shiny thing in one of our uh, machines Stopped the machinery, took a look at it, fished it out. It was a diamond ring, diamond ring, and and it was a unique diamond ring. And so we did a little, um, we put out a call to see if anybody had lost a, a diamond ring, a wedding ring. And of course, surprise, surprise, hundreds of people came forward, <laughs> <laughs> right? But um, one person did, and. She had a photograph of her wearing said ring, and it matched up with the ring that we fished out. And it had been, this was um, in Rogers, and it had been in the wastewater system for, I want to say, 13 years, going about the pipes and the machinery. It was in pretty darn good shape. Cleaned it up and returned it to its right, its uh, rightful owner. So unique things happen from time to time. Uh, 
Let's see, I also want to talk about transit. Um, so even when you say transit, you know, across the region, that can mean a whole variety of different things. Um, it can mean, uh, it can mean um, uh, the regular routes. Um, it can mean the bus rapid transit. It can be, be arterial bus rapid transit or dedicated bus rapid transit where the bus has its own lane. So we're building a, a, one of those between Woodbury and downtown St. Paul right now, the gold line. It can be Metro Mobility, um, which provides a valuable service in our region. It can mean um, uh, commuter rail and um, uh, a, a whole wide variety of different things. I'm pleased that uh, we have the F line um, coming to this uh, region soon. Uh, it's been in the works for a while, but um, that'll be, of course, going from downtown Minneapolis to Northtown uh, with, I think, 32 stops, um, including on uh, University and 81st and University and Osborne. So as you are likely aware, we've got uh, engineering is going to be taking place from now throughout 2024 putting in place where exactly those stops will be, what the stops will look like or the stations will look like. Um, and then uh, construction um, uh, the year after that so with service starting in 2026. So that'll be a great amenity. I can tell you uh, where I live, Falcon Heights, we've had the A line. That was the very first, very first bus rapid transit from Rosedale down Snelling. And uh, uh, it's, it's a great asset for our community. Um, we saw and we have continued to see on the, the various bus rapid transit routes that we have rolled out an increase in ridership, maybe 20%, 30%, um, over the route that was there before. So people love the fact that it's, it's rapid it's every 15 minutes or so. They like the stations, how you, there's a, a, a real-time sign there that says next bus coming in 14 minutes, 10 minutes, two minutes. Um, the stations are heated. They like the fact that you can um, buy your ticket or swipe your card ahead of time so you can just walk right up onto the bus, whether it's the front of the bus or the middle of the bus, and it's quick. It gets to your destination um, in a rapid way. So that's going to be a great amenity for this region. Um, I was talking to Dan, speaking of uh, transit or transportation, talking to Dan about the uh, proposed sidewalk on San Bernal Drive. We were kind of spitballing some ideas on how to fund that. $300,000, uh, a doable project. and. Would love to see that move forward as well, uh, which would lead right to the Northtown Transit Center, right? I mean, people being, having a way for people to walk safely to the bus is something that we all should be interested in. So love to see that move forward. My other prop uh, is not as exciting as the one I handed out earlier, but it's our, our regional plan 
Um, this one's called Thrive 2040. It was developed close to a decade ago now. And I wanted to let you know that we are in the process of developing our next regional plan, which of course your comprehensive plan um, matches up to, to our comprehensive plan. So it's around tr transportation and transit, water, housing, parks, things of that nature. Um, it's something that we're working on now and there'll be plenty of opportunity for um, engagement with cities on that, including um, one thing I really wanted to mention is um, an important aspect of this, an important aspect of um, developing affordable housing, uh, um, developing economic growth in our region is uh, grants that we give out to cities which go to development. And um, the body that makes recommendations for these grants, it's called the Land Use Advisory Committee, Land Use Advisory Committee. And we have a, a, a few openings on that right now. Just like you have city commissions, I'm sure, um, that you really rely on your residents to participate, the Planning Commission or whatever it might be, we also have commissions. And this one in particular, uh, half of the members have to be elected officials. Um, so uh, I would encourage you to think about um, participating either in this one or different opportunities that we have for elected officials to um, participate in our, in our various committees. I think that's all I've got. I'm happy to answer a question or two. Peter, I, I, I could have you answering questions all night long. Here we go. Uh, <laughs> you did bring up something you talked to Dan about, and that's uh, the funding for some sidewalks on 81st. One of the issues we've had with you lately, and more so with the owners or past owners of North Town Mall, was uh, changing the bus route on uh, Abel or Monroe Street going up and turning on the 81st Avenue and then going back to University and then up. Uh, go, going north or going to North Town, it ain't bad. When you come back and return, you got a bus stop that's right by Holiday. When they stop for the people and the lights change because they cut down the yellows now, I mean, not dead. And people are backed up in the highway. I drive this road all the time. With uh, helping on that sidewalk in uh, San Bernal, is there plans that uh, this bus route can change and go north on Monroe to San Bernal and then cross over to get to where you own the property uh, at the bus depot and, and take it up 81st so we stop that backup and congestion on 81st, especially on the southbound side you, as you're leaving North Town because it causes a stack up into the highway. Yeah, I would love to talk to you more about that. Um, that is exactly the types, type of information that I, I love to hear um, and can work with you on. Um, in fact, this issue or a somewhat related issue came up just oh, a few weeks ago in Roseville. Uh, and um, I was able to connect with uh, the manager at Metro Transit who helps make those decisions and we 
shifted where a bus stop um, is located. So that, that exact um, question of where the bus stop should be to make sure that it's not backing up onto a highway, it sounds like a pretty could be a potentially well, dangerous situation. Well, we talk about transit and the rest of it. And this, this, I see that, you know, I'm not a traffic cop, but I see the issue. And I would imagine uh, Josh's uh, officers see it when we're, we're out on the street. So, I mean, it is there. It's usually more during prime time, you know, prime rush time. hour. When we're all yeah. getting off work, I mean, the, the intersection's busier than busy can be because, you know, 3.30s, 3.30s, 4.30s, 4.30s, 5.00s, depending on how many shifts and, you know, what Sam's Club and so on and so forth and everything that's over on that, on 81st Avenue that creates the backup there yep. on University and 81st. Uh, another question you bring, I, I really want to get involved with that question there. Uh, two other questions I have for you. One is more information. You talked about the dead fish in, in, in uh, Mississippi River and our treatment centers. Uh, since officers and cities and everything have the drop-off box for used pharmaceuticals and people are getting educated not to flush the pharmaceuticals down the toilets, has there been any headway in your water treatment facilities I mean, we can get rid of radium, we can do this, we can do that, we can bond it with chemicals and make the iron and the radium bond together and keep that out of our systems and our drinking water. Yeah. Uh, the last articles I read, there was nothing yet on filters that will filter out pharmaceuticals that have been dissolved from people flushing them down the toilets, throwing them in the river, the drug dealers mm -hmm. throwing them off the bridges, the cops are chasing them, so on and so forth. Are you looking at any improvements or are there any technical advancements on your water treatment plants that will get the pharmaceuticals out of our drinking water? Yeah, that's a great question, and it's a real I, issue. I, know, I was going to stump you once. Yeah, I know. I, I, I can well, tell you. Well, it's a huge problem. I mean, you yeah, know, you it's to, a huge you problem. You go to D.C. when me and Terry went to D.C., you couldn't drink the water because it couldn't get the pharmaceuticals out of the water. Really? You told you to, you know go through it because there wasn't a filter mesh that was fine enough or chemicals that could bond the dissolved chemicals to make a molecule big enough to get stuck in the medium. Yeah. Uh, I have not heard about any sort of filters at the wastewater treatment point. Um, I recall when I was mayor asking if we could set up a, a drop-off location at City Hall. And we have one here. Do you really? I, I was advised, you also have the police, is the police station here? Oh, yes. Yeah, so we don't have our own, in Falcon Heights, we don't have our own police department. So the feedback I got was don't do it because people will, unless it's a real secure location, that would be the number one place. If you were looking to steal pharmaceuticals, you would go. So uh, people were advised to well, bring nobody it to, robs to the, the police station. That, yeah, that nobody the robs the police station. Too many guns. That's smart. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's smart. Um, I mean, you brought up uh, pharmaceuticals, which is a real big issue, and the other big issue that um, 
is getting into our wastewater is PFAS, so-called forever chemicals that you can find on any number of products and that causes any number of um, health-related issues as well. So um, there's, there's no shortage of, uh, of, of environmental issues that, that we're dealing with. We are heavily regulated um, by, with permits from, multiple permits from the state, multiple permits from the uh, federal EPA. Uh, we have, uh, gosh, some of our plants, and I mentioned we have nine plants, some of our plants have upwards of 25, 30 years of permit compliance. They're tested like every day to make sure they're in compliance with their permits. So we're fortunate that way, um, but it's not something that we should take advantage of. Well, technology's got to catch up, you know, your fire retardant foams, as Jeff's talked about, exactly. the firemen that are exposed to cancer and stuff, or the ones that work at the airports a lot, to yep. put out the airplane fires and that, the chemicals in the spray foam, or, the, you know, the 3M, which is part of, you know, uh, Ramsey exactly County, right. where, where their headquarters were. And that type of thing, you know, we need to be out there. There is a way to do that now. Yep. And that's what kind of sparked my thought process. If you can get rid of those that are microscopic, can you get rid of the pharmaceuticals? Because a lot of other diseases and cancers are caused by the pharmaceuticals that are in our water. No doubt about it. And, and we always support, as much as feasible, stopping things getting into the wastewater stream at, uh, as much as you can. And I, I realize, you know, maybe there's people out there that uh, they just don't know and they throw it down the toilet. But I think it's more they don't care. Could be that they don't care. Yeah, could be could be that they don't know. Could you be know, that they don't care. We used to have deposit on a pop bottle, you know, so it didn't lay in a ditch and you bring it back <laughs> for your nickel. Yeah. You know, maybe they didn't, but there was a deposit on a pharmaceutical and you get, didn't get your money back till you bring it in and dropped it off someplace, it wouldn't go down the damn toilet. Right. <coughs> I toured. That's, saying, a great, that's, a great, that's a great point. I you, toured the St. Paul plant and the Shakopee plant, and they great. were very impressive. I have a friend that works over in Brooklyn's Park, and he does maintenance work for each uh, Met Council at the the ponds and the pipes and stuff like that. So, Fantastic. Uh, you're doing a good job, as the mayor is saying, you got to do better. Uh, Absolutely. Because what we're putting into the river, I forgot, we go to St. Paul, if I remember correctly, our water does. And even though it's, it's cleaner than what it was 50 years ago, 100 years ago, uh, even in the 1800s, they had the same problem with using it the river for a sewage uh, flow but no I, I think you're doing a wonderful job uh, but it's always for uh, wastewater you're, you know it's always improvement then I'd like to transfer over to the F line uh, with MnDOT wanting to improve uh, University Avenue and Central Avenue but the, they were talking about uh, all the plans they had I think there, there was Six, no, a dozen plans that they had for one was for slowing down the traffic, one was for widening up to speed up the traffic. How is your plan going to connect with their plans? Or I imagine you're working in with it. 
I think the city administrator wants to weigh in on that one. <laughs> I'm a, I learned that as mayor. I'm like, okay, turn it over to the city administrator. <laughs> well, I've just sat through a lot of these meetings. So we've been having F-line implementation meetings once a month, as well as talking about the Highway 47, Highway 65 Pell study that's going on. And those projects are being incorporated together. So the... MnDOT got some money to do some intersection improvements at some of the more dangerous intersections along the F-Line route, and so they are going to be doing those simultaneously with the construction that the Met Council is going to do for, um, for the transit stations. So you're going to see a significant uh, change to especially the 85th and University intersection uh, to make that a lot more safe for pedestrians to come across and and uh, and improve that. So yeah, uh, so I, there's been a lot of that discussion. They're designing the even if even if MnDOT isn't ready to do the projects, they've got a what would they call one percent design done so that they can figure give that to Met Council Met Transit to um, so when they're constructing the stations, they're in the right location. So that uh, so that it doesn't so they don't have to tear it out later and and redo it. So uh, there's been a lot of interaction going on between uh, Metropolitan Council, the communities, and uh, and MnDOT on on this project. Okay. Well, thank you, Peter. Thank That's you, great. Dan. That's good. Council, any other questions? <coughs> I got one more. I seen a good thing. I don't know if I'm pitching at you or if I'm pitching at the legislators or Minneapolis. I don't know quite who I'm pitching <laughs> at here. I've seen a great thing. You're going to do something to stop people from not paying their fares on the trains and the buses. Mm. And that's right. starting up really soon. Today, when you're going to give them a $30 fine once with no criminal offense. You know, when the public is paying our taxes and you have hiring, firing, and taxing authority, and you're using our public funds, and this freeloader's taking a free ride, mm -hmm. and you're going to try to find him, and he ain't going to have an address either. But then you give him no criminal offense. I, I kind of find that a kick in the teeth as a taxpayer because I'm paying for some thief, and you're trying to do something, but you got kid gloves on. He should get a petty misdemeanor or misdemeanor and face some damn time in jail if he's going to steal from everybody who lives in this, this seven-county metro area that uh, uh, contributes money and tax dollars to Met, Met Transit. Absolutely. You are not the only one who is frustrated uh, about that, and, and I am as well. Here's the challenge that we were facing. So forever there's been a... Law on the books, you got to pay your fare. That's great. Um, and we would inform, we, the Met Council, Met, Met Council uh, Metro Transit Police would enforce it. They would give, write people a ticket. You, sir, are in violation. Um, that ticket was, my understanding, not being prosecuted um, by the city attorneys. It was it was a misdemeanor, so um, and it was a. I, I don't quote me on this, but the the fine was something like 180 bucks or 200 bucks or something like that. 
but no one was really being forced to pay that. Uh, why? You'll have to ask the city attorneys why they weren't doing that. Well, you 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 send you send uh, the administrators here a letter on who I'm supposed to chew their ass on. <laughs> Because you're stealing yeah. from everybody that lives in the seven-county metro area and getting away with it. And I, I, I ain't happy with that. No, no, I hear you. I don't like thieves, and that's exactly what they're doing. It's hard enough for you to cover the wages for all the new bus drivers, the shortages of bus drivers. That's Come right. up with it. And then I got people stealing. Some are homeless, and they use it to a way to stay warm all night long. You know, I can have some lenience there, yep. but the straight-up thief, I have, I ain't got the time of day for it. And I'd really like to know who I got to give a peace of mind to that allowed this to happen, to where they get no criminal offense to it, and they're going to do it and do it and do it and do it again. I hear what you're saying. <coughs> um, uh, yeah, so just starting today, we, we are implementing, so the legislature changed the law. They said it used to be you had to be uh, a police officer to issue a citation. That was the law. The legislature changed it so now you don't have to be a sworn peace officer to issue an administrative citation. That's where this 35, it's $35 for your first offense and it does go up uh, uh, from there. So why ain't they blackballed because you don't check IDs when they walk in because it's an infringement on uh, privacy or what? What? Well, why are you doing? You can honey, be banned. How, how are you gonna know it? Have I have the whole front window posted full of a bunch of pages that don't pay, pay pictures that don't pay? <laughs> like I mean, the post office. How are you gonna regulate this and keep track of it? Yeah, I don't know how exactly they uh, they keep track of who's you, who you is banned. You hear my frustration. Yeah. No, that's a good one. And I will say just in safety in general is um, a top priority for us um, and one that we are really increasing the eyes and ears. Well, you have on to. Our, they're getting stabbed and shot every other day at your, your stations, you know. I mean, they're, they're just, just, uh, there's no respect with people anymore. It's the gangland mentality. Sure. And the judge has got to start putting them in jail and keep them in jail to break this gangland mentality and this thinking process. You know, they can't do that in 10 years. The guy ain't fixable. Then you just put him in there forever. There Can you go. I chime in quick? I just want to say I was looking over the website just to get a better idea of all the services and yeah. everything you have to offer. It's great. And I just want to highlight your equity statement. I think that's wonderful, and I really love how you guys are really trying to make this an equitable situation. So, Well, I you. appreciate that. Um, it, it really does need to be uh, all of us. You know, it can't be just some of us. Um, in us, for us to have a prosperous region, it has to be an equi equitable region, and it has to. Um, we all have to work on inequities in our region. Equity work is just as much inequity. Work, yeah, your guys' plan is incredible. Um, obviously, there's always work to be done in a plan itself, but your guys' has a great, solid base. Well, thank awesome. you very much. The, the plan being the... Uh, the your statement the, and what your values yep, are yep. moving forward with, making sure there's equitable change. Thank you very much. I, I will share that sentiment. Well, I'm done. Council, any questions? Yeah, nope. I, I had one question about the F-Line. Um, 
I'm, I'm really excited to see mass transit, you know, this area. Are these transit stations going to be maintained? Yeah. Oh, boy, that's actually part of our safety initiative is making sure we have stations um, and buses and trains that look the way that we want them to look. Um, and, yes, I can tell you, as someone that lives um, a block and a half block from two stations, uh, two stops, um, uh, that they are... They are improving. Um, it, mayor, to the mayor's point of uh, how some people act these days, it takes one person about 30 seconds to completely destroy a, a stop that was beautiful, you know, five minutes ago. Um, so keep that in mind. I don't want to. I don't want to set I expectations too high. I was worried about garbage. I was worried yeah. about snow and ice. <laughs> oh yes. And I know yeah. on your website you say that, you know, and I get it, you can't maintain every single bus stop, yep. but we already have some issues with, you know, the city having to maintain bus stops in our city so that yep. our residents can actually use them safely. So as this line comes in, is it going to be maintained? I would be surprised if you were unsatisfied with that. My experience is that when it comes to snow and ice, uh, they get the truck, the pickup truck out there pretty darn early when it snows and take care of it pretty darn quick. Yeah. Please, please contact me if you find it any, any, any other way. Thank you. Thank you. It looks like you're off the hook, buddy. Well, that's all right. And um, Councilmember Wendling, um, thank you for going on the tours. Uh, I would encourage all of you. It is fascinating to go on the wastewater tours. Certainly you'll be participating in uh, the, the F-Line. Uh, hopefully you'll be traveling on the F-Line and uh, all the open houses and ribbon cuttings and all the good things to come on that. But um, don't forget the wastewater treatment plants. Uh, Got to get used to the smell there for, uh, for, for a few minutes. But other than that, um, it's, it's pretty fascinating. Thank you for your time, and um, please contact me uh, anything comes up. It, it ain't as bad at 6 o'clock in the morning milking Betsy and having that tail come around your face and you got a hangover. And I'll, I'll tell you what smells about it. I'll have to trust you on that. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again. Thank you. I think George has it, right? Thank you. Moving on, item six, consent agenda. An approval of minutes, November 20th, 2023, City Council Work Session. B, approval of minutes, November 20th, 2023, City Council Meeting. C, approval of safe, assure annual contract. D, elect to not waive monetary limits on the municipal torque liability. E, Public right-of-way permit, Center Point Energy, F, contractor's licenses, G, business licenses. Is there any uh, item on tonight's consent agenda that uh, council or staff would like to pull for further discussion? Hearing none, 
I would entertain no motion to approve. I'll make that motion to approve the consent agenda. Motion's been made by Council Member Wendley for the discussion. Hearing none, Administrator, call the roll, please. Council Members Wendling? Aye. Goodwill Bischoff? Aye. Dirks? Aye. Moran? Aye. Mayor Nelson? Aye. Moving on to item seven, department reports, public works reports. Terry, if you would, please. yard dumpsters so that's quite a bit that all went to recycling and everything uh, seems to be pretty well um, we did have a new two new dumpster enclosures installed here at City Hall um, the uh, the old ones we are going to put the fuel tanks in with the, the uh, City Hall remodeling project so everything is ready to go all we have to do now is to come out and move the tanks and we're good to go uh, we did do some asphalt patching this month. We had a few spots over by Napa and that, that area where needed to be patched and everything seems to be good now. Um, if you notice in the parks and here at City Hall, there has been Christmas lights installed. Um, I have a few guys that really enjoy putting Christmas lights up, so they are up and running, so take a look at it. And this will be my last report of my career. So, thank you. Terry, I got a question about that metal plate on the ramp on 81st and Terrace. It went up, came up last year, and now it's missing again. Is George going to replace it before the snowfall? Oh, uh, on, the, on the sidewalk itself? Yeah. Yes. We'll, we'll find something to put in there. Okay. Thank you. I don't, don't want anybody to trip on it when they walk on our snow-free sidewalks. Correct. Well, okay. Terry, Terry, it's been a pleasure to have you here all these years. I mean, uh, 23 years I've been here. You've been here. You've been dedicated, thankful. I know you're going to retire later, so I'll be giving a bigger speech later. Uh, one thing I do want to say, I contacted Terry and the chief earlier this week. Uh, people know my views on these drowning ponds, and we do have a lake. Uh, Terry does have all the thin ice signs up. Well, there's a boy just south of here that's still in a coma. Last I heard, uh, went through a stormwater holding pond. Uh, little kids don't know. We have the holiday seasons coming. A lot of your parents and that that live in the city, your kids are aware of these and you've taught them. You have company and friends coming over to school, time out for Christmas vacation, and you might have friends or family over that are not accustomed to these deadly ponds. Uh, last time I looked it up, there was 526 children on an average nationwide that drowned in these ponds every year, whether they're frozen or walking out or just the way to design because you walk out two feet and you're up to your knees, you take one more step and you're over your head just to be able to uh, maintain the amount of storm water. Uh, Chief put out a bulletin on Facebook, uh, DNR has done that. Uh, for all you people are gonna have company and friends over, 
if they're small children, uh, please warn them to stay away from these things. I went through, they bring me back when I was a kid. I seen the bright light. I know what this is about. That's why I preach this every year, every year. Uh, watch these kids, be careful. And uh, I would like to see a state law, federal law, that all these things have to be fenced off so little kids can't get into them. That's just my own personal opinion because they are dangerous. And uh, that's a parent's worst nightmare. So I want to thank Terry for being on top of that. George, uh, you will hear this for the next three years that I'm here. Uh, uh, this is an annual statement that I am very religious on. Uh, keep up the tradition that we keep these things marked when we have the lake. Uh, we don't need no funerals for this. Thank you. Council, any questions? No. Thank you, Terry. And I will miss you at these meetings, buddy. Moving on. 7B. Jeff, code enforcement report. Thank you, Mr. Mayor, members of the council, members of the public. The full code enforcement report for November is in your packet. A uh, <clears throat> couple of highlights. The first uh, round of renewal letters for the rental properties has gone out. When I typed this up was the 30th of November, and there was 40 in, and there's been, I don't know, probably a couple dozen in the mail each day since. So that's moving along, similar to last year. Um, and then for the 2023 inspections, there's still four properties that have not even had their first inspection. So uh, if they go up on the agenda coming up here the uh, end of the year, don't be, or beginning of next year, don't be surprised because they've been notified quite a bit uh, of getting that taken care of. Mm -hmm. And then uh, the Take 5 car wash is in sort of a different situation. Benson Orth is a contractor that was there. They're looking to get a temporary certificate of occupancy, uh, basically stating that the main portion of the building's complete and life safety's up and running. Um, but then whoever buys a car wash from them, they don't know the company yet, it's not Take 5, will then be re redoing permits and installing the equipment themselves. Once I know more, or once Benson and Orth knows more, I'll let you know, but until then, and then the, uh, the 7900 McKinley sheetrock is up, and uh, they'll be buttoning that up, I would imagine, rather soon here, not before the holidays, but beginning of next year. It's, uh, if you haven't swung by in the daytime, please do. It's, it's a pretty nice-looking home. Um, that's all I have for my report. If you have any questions, feel free to ask them. Question, Jeff, on this uh, car wash. We had a discussion of this in the work session and what they're turning into on moratoriums and everything else. Are they, are they pretty confident that this is going to happen because it was allowed to be built and now it's in limbo? And if so, what do you do with a building that is a car wash that you can't turn into a restaurant, you can't turn into a lawyer's office, you can't turn into whatever? Am I going to have brand new blights sitting there on the corner? Yes, thank you, Mr. Mayor. No, I, I think we're all, we all believe that it's still gonna, it's gonna go on. They're going up all around the state. You know, it's a, to whoever does their studies, it's a profitable business so that they're gonna keep it going. And 
I think there's too much equipment that's already on site and in storage that it's, you know, it's past the point of, of return in my opinion and the contractor's opinion. Um, what could you do with it? Uh, that's hard to say, but any, every building could be turned into something else with the, with the right mind at it. So it's not a concern in my opinion, but and rightfully so if, if you are concerned, but I still believe it'll be a car wash. I don't think that's straight at all. It's just a matter of what company is going to take it over and, and move into it. So. <laughs> That's all I can say. Thank you. Uh, Council, any questions for Jeff, please? Hearing none, we will move on. Uh, next is a public hearing for truth and taxation hearing. I would entertain a motion to uh, open it up for the public hearing. I'll make that motion. Motion has been made by Council Member Wendling. It's a simple motion, so all in favor? Aye. Aye. Public hearing is open. Dan, if you would, please. Uh, thank you, Mayor and members uh, tonight and members of the audience tonight. We are doing the our truth and taxation hearing. Uh, this is a uh, required hearing under state law, Minnesota statute 275.065. And the purpose of the meeting tonight is for us to provide information to the public on the 2024 proposed budget and tax levy. Uh, it also provides an opportunity for residents to share feedback on the proposed budget and tax levy. Uh, this is not the time to discuss estimated market value. That occurs in April uh, through the open book assessment process. So uh, if you have questions regarding uh, market value, uh, that is something that should be um, forwarded over to the uh, city assessor, uh, Ken Tolzman. <coughs> Uh, we start this process uh, in June uh, where the department heads um, put together their uh, draft departmental budgets. Uh, then they return those to me in July. Uh, I review those uh, and meet with them and, uh, and, and try and firm those up. Uh, then I assemble the revenue budget also in July uh, for the uh, work session in August where we present that to the city council for um, initial feedback and comment. Uh, on September 18th, uh, the council approved the preliminary budget and tax levy, and tonight is the truth and taxation hearing, and then we uh, also anticipate approving the final budget and tax levy tonight. Uh, property tax bills um, can vary from year to year uh, due to a variety of different um, factors, not just uh, the uh, change in tax levy. Uh, market value changes are a significant uh, driver of that. Uh, sometimes um, industrial properties um, increase in value more, which um, shifts um, tax burden from, from single-family homes and, and apartments to, uh, to industrial, and, the, and vice versa sometimes will happen. Um, and uh, so, so sometimes those market value changes will happen. Uh, budgets and levies of all the jurisdictions were just um, one portion of the of the property tax levy um, of the statement. Uh, there's the county, the school district, um, metropolitan council. Um, so there's a lot of different variety of um, entities that um, that are part of the property tax bill. Uh, special assessments if you're part of a street project or have uh, um, 
unpaid utility bills that got assessed, um, that can impact that. Uh, change in property class, so that would be if you went from a uh, single family home to a rental, uh, that could change um, change the value. Uh, referendums, um, federal and state mandates, uh, changes in aid and revenue from state and local governments and other state legislative changes. Uh, the bulk of our <laughs> revenues um, come from property taxes at 72%, uh, but we do receive about $1.2 million worth of other revenues um, from either intergovernmental aids, such as local government aid, uh, permits and licenses that we receive, um, uh, charges for services, uh, miscellaneous revenues such as interest on our reserves and then interfund transfers from our, um, inter from our um, uh, utility funds. As you can see, we did receive a um, significant um, increase in, uh, in our local government aid this year, so that, um, that was uh, significant uh, help. Um, but the remaining revenues were relatively flat, except for the property tax levy. As you can see, we spend, um, between police and fire, about 47% of our budget is, is, on, is on those two functions. And uh, if you add in code enforcement, which I consider to be public safety, then you're looking at over 50% of the budget um, in, um, in public safety activities. Uh, so general government is, is, is virtually everything under the sun to support all of the remaining activities um, of, of the city. Uh, payroll, HR, administration, those types of things. Um, 9% of our budget's recreation, 8% is parks, 7% is streets, and 4% is miscellaneous. Uh, that's the 7% on the streets is, um, that's just the general fund portion. We receive um, municipal state aid revenues uh, for that. That ends up um, uh, also um, being able to be used for street maintenance as well as, um, as um, some repairs are from some of our other funds as well. Uh, so we've seen some increases in, in the police budget. A lot of that is um, driven by um, payroll and benefits for, for them. That's the largest department. Um, but, uh, you know, it's a highly um, inflationary environment right now. Things are just costing a lot more, and that's driving a lot of the, um, a lot of the increases in expenditures uh, pr proposed for 2024. Uh, with the understanding that we have done uh, significant work trying to uh, minimize those increases as much as we can. So our proposed 2024 levy is $4,113,290, which is an increase of 3.72%. Uh, the general government levy increase is 3.8%, but then there's no change in the debt service levy, so that's why that um, uh, overall increase is, is slightly less than that. Uh, we're proposing a, a balanced 2024 budget uh, where general fund revenues and expenses um, increase by 6%. And our city tax rate uh, in will increase um, very slightly uh, from 37.285% to 37.752% in 2024. Which that essentially means we're essentially capturing 
new value that's coming onto the tax rolls versus um, versus adding um, uh, additional um, dollars on everybody else. So the city um, used to issue. Um, uh, Equipment certificates, um, we are now self-financing those, so that will save um, bond issuance costs and interest um, payments for those. Uh, we're looking at um, doing an increase in the uh, part-time recreation office support specialist position. That's included in the budget. Uh, it also addresses the inflationary increases um, that we're seeing, um, primarily in salaries, benefits, uh, fuel, um, increasing in temporary salary ranges. Uh, it's getting harder and harder to find um, temporary employees to work for parks and, and, and our recreation programs and, and ice houses. Printing and publication costs and workers' compensation insurance. Uh, we've seen a significant increase in that over the years. Uh, we also are set aside funds for ash tree removals due to the emerald ash borer epidemic. As you can see from this chart, um, for cities around us, uh, we are very competitive from a tax rate standpoint. Um, this was not always the case, uh, but we are, uh, um, we've seen some good growth and that has um, pushed down our uh, tax rate. So um, being able to um, be in line with uh, Coon Rapids and Lionel Lakes and Columbus and Centerville and you know other cities that um, that have a lot more tax base than us, um, you know, I think is something that, um, that we're proud of, um, showing that um, our, our, our ability to um, try and really limit costs and limit the um, impact to property taxpayers while still providing high quality services to the community. And this chart just kind of shows how the tax rate has declined over the past 20 years. Um, so I think that, um, that we've been making good progress in doing that. Uh, this chart uh, is the revenue detail for, for, um, the, um, uh, for, for uh, taxes for the general fund. Um, so intergovernmental revenue, as I mentioned, we received a significant increase in local government aid, so that's why that um, was there. Uh, we did see a significant decrease in miscellaneous revenues, and that's due to the uh, cancellation of the school resource officer contract. Uh, if that gets approved to be reinstated, then we will do a budget amendment. But um, but the budget has this budget that's before the council tonight and being presented to the public tonight is as of today, uh, where things are. Uh, expenditures. Um, we saw a significant increase in street expenditures, um, uh, significant increase in fire protection, recreation. Uh, part of the recreation was due to that um, increasing hours for that staffing um, change as well as increasing the, um, uh, the, the um, uh, temporary salary range as well. Uh, so, as I mentioned before, uh, general operations, uh, the portion uh, of the total levy for that is a little over $4 million. That's a 3.8% increase over 2023. Uh, debt service uh, is remaining flat at $80,000. That is covering the 2014-2015 Street Improvement Project bond uh, for an overall tax levy of $4,113,290.
Uh, Mayor, members, that concludes my presentation tonight regarding the uh, truth and taxation presentation. I'm happy to answer any questions from the council or the public. Thank you, Dan. Council, uh, first off, do you have any questions of Dan? No. Uh, second, uh, we pushed out the gentleman here. Do you want to do this during a, a public hearing? I would imagine, and not afterwards. So, sir, would you please step up to the podium there and state your name and your address for the, uh, the record for the city? Uh, and uh, we will try to answer your questions. Nadim Farouj, uh, 8401 Center Drive, Northeast. Uh, reason why I'm uh, here is uh, I, I, I'm com kind of complaining about the increase of the property tax. I understand that the city need obviously money to operate, but uh, it's it was kind of this di distributed disproportionately between the obviously uh, multi-housing and the single homes. Uh, I understand that single homes uh, get homesteaded. I'm homesteading my home. But uh, what I'm trying to say, I got the increased uh, property taxes almost uh, 2,000 bucks uh, from, from uh, last year, comparing to uh, last year, which is 18.3% uh, increase in, in, in annual taxes. Now, in order that I can operate my business uh, normally, in order that I can uh, fix the things that, are, that, that broke down in a 1965 building, you know, uh, have the smoke detector properly ready for, for uh, uh, inspection and uh, without failing the inspection and those stuff. I need some money, you know, to, to do those things. Because people are just uh, careless and they just remove the smoke detectors and some things, you know, and they don't even report uh, on time when, when the sewer uh, is uh, dripping in, on, under the kitchen cabinets and such things, you know, because they, they don't care. But uh, my biggest uh, concern is we are talking so much about affordable housing throughout the Twin City area or Minnesota in general, yet uh, multi-housing properties get slammed with a big taxation. And how are we going to offset those things other than... Uh, Increase to keep increasing the rents. Eventually, something is going to kind of break, you know, and people are, are not going to be able to pay. Then I'll suddenly I have extra expense to do the unlawful detainer, kick them out on the street, and we have a, a homeless people. So I don't understand why single homes get increased approximately 5.3 percent, where Eight-unit apartment building get increased 21% or 18% or whatever. That's my biggest concern. And the second concern is 20 years ago when I purchased that building, my licensing used to be like about uh, 350 And now I end up uh, paying 900 bucks uh, renewal. And I don't know what kind of services beside the... <coughs> Inspection, annual inspection, I'm receiving from uh, uh, licensing. The only thing that I foresee is uh, getting the piece of letter stating that uh, 
Uh, I meet, meet the requirements, you know, to, to operate the business in, in a city of Swingwood Park. That's pretty much it. And uh, uh, one more thing, who, who should I complain, you know, about uh, the percentage that, uh, of tax increase? Is it uh, city or uh, county administrator or? Dan is going to, he's, he's been right and he knows that he's got an answer. Here you go. Uh, thank you, Mayor and members. Um, first off, um, you know, I'm, I'm looking at your proposed um, 2024 tax statement, and it looks like uh, there, the um, valuation of the property increased by 17, over 17 percent uh, from 672,500 for pay 2023 to $787,900 for um, pay 2024. And that's really the reason why the, um, the, the uh, tax rate um, or the tax um, bill increased significantly because if, you would have, if that would have ended up staying the same, um, then, then overall it would have been about a 1% increase for the, for the overall tax statement. So um, if you... So the time for appealing values is passed. That, that happens in April. Uh, but there's a statement that comes out uh, from the county in March, uh, usually in March, um, that, that has the proposed property tax valuation for next year's taxes. And it's really important for you to pay attention to that. Uh, if, if something looks really off from that, to ask questions of the city assessor, Ken Tolzman, and I certainly can get you his contact information so you can talk to him about that uh, and, 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 and take advantage of, um, of the due process components associated with the, uh, the property taxation value because there's an open book hearing, and then after that, you can take it to the County Board of Equalization. So uh, there's um, procedures for, um, for appealing that, um, that valuation and that a lot of times drives uh, the property tax increase more so than, than the levy increases um, proposed by the jurisdiction. So um, I certainly can get you uh, Ken Tolzman's um, contact information and, um, and, and you can talk to him about your valuation. So uh, uh, I did talk to a property appraisal he's uh, somewhere from Forest Lake I can't remember. Uh, yep that's, that's Ken Tolzman. Yep. Is it him? Yeah. Uh, he said that he's going to do his best, you know, to do some of the adjustment, you know, because he came out uh, on a property because usually he doesn't come out, you know, to do the appraisal. Usually I don't see anybody or get the letter, you know, hey, we, we would like to assess your property to evaluate uh, changes that you made to a property, you know, mm -hmm. so that we can properly appraise the property. Uh, your property. Well, he came out uh, like about two weeks ago, okay. and he saw that there is no, no changes, you know, because uh, there is no way I can do any changes. For example, the kitchen is just eight by, eight by ten, something like that. But there is no way I can put the uh, dishwasher there or some some extra amenities, you know, or for example, to put the swimming pool, <coughs> to in a right mind, when a swimming swimming pool with eight apartment building that's just extra liability mm -hmm. so 
he said that he might be able to do something about it uh, this year in regards of the uh, appraised value, but not so much. Okay. But my biggest concern is how how uh, can I make affordable apartment for the people that are living uh, long term in that building so that they stay because they are obeying all the rules, even my rules and city rules. I mean, you can check it out. Uh, I really don't have any calls uh, to that building. Uh, Sometimes that building, it's uh, even forgotten. The only call that I had uh, was uh, two weeks ago because somebody bro broke into my uh, business mailbox. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's pretty much it. And uh, it was homeless people who walked by that doesn't have no connection with the building. Uh, well, thank, thank you for sharing that. And I, I, will, I will reach out to the city assessor and, and talk to him about about that. I know that he can, um, even though everything has been turned in from his his standpoint, if he finds a mistake in the assessment, he can uh, file a correction with the county. So that's probably what he's in the process of doing. Um, so that wouldn't show up on this statement because um, this was generated in the beginning of November. Um, but it may be reflected on your actual property tax statement. So I'll reach out to him and, and find out some more information on, on what, um, what he's done on that end. Okay. And regarding your question on the, um, on the services for the rental licensing, I'll turn that over to our building official who oversees that department. Yes, thank you. Um, in May of 2021, uh, the housing policy changed. Um, and with that change, Along with that and more rental properties within the city, um, it, it went up because now uh, fire and life safety is a very strong part of my job that I you know, take very seriously. So we added to all multifamily uh, buildings, get an annual interior inspection in the hallways, and then we've split inspections up so we do some of the apartment buildings each year. Um, and then it's added uh, exterior inspections to the outside of the home to the single family as well as multifamily. So with that, it added cost for more inspections and uh, that's really let me it. Just, let me just clarify myself. So you, you, you are saying every single year you're going to inspect the, uh, every single unit uh, along with exterior. Then uh, uh, every other year you're going to come out inspect the common area on the exterior of the building. Is that uh, how you're doing it? Or it, you are doing every single year, every single unit inspection? So, yeah, when we come out for a multifamily, we come out every year because no matter what, we want to do a common area inspection, right? So mm -hmm. that everyone who's living there is staying safe. And then we break it up to where since we're going there every year to do the common areas, we'll split the apartment in half and do four one year then we'll do four the next year. So in two years, we're, we're rotating through to make entry into all of them to make sure that smoke detectors and you know extension cords, everything in the maintenance policy is. is yeah, taken I, I, care I've of. been burned last year with extension cords, so I added that to to my lease agreement so that there is no more extension cord without being uh, how they call that uh, surge protector. Surge protected, mm -hmm. yes, but. Uh, 
it's a basically almost like uh, if you would do every year eight all eight units. Um, next year you are just doing to doing doing the common area. Then again, uh, all eight units. It, it, it makes pretty much same. And if you if you want that, I mean, we can we can do that. We made it the exception to multifamily. However, they wanted it break it broke down. You know, so you get like a Legends. That's 150 units. You know, you're not going to do all 150 in 23, none in 24. So if you want it every other, we can do that. It's just. I fully understand, but uh, uh, why is such a so uh, such a large increase? It's almost like a forty percent increase, because uh, my last year uh, renewal at this time was, uh, uh, I believe, four hundred for the building, and it was uh, twenty five per uh, uh, plus twenty five for each unit. Now it's uh, five hundred for building and fifty dollar for each apartment. Correct, and that's with the added inspections that have gone in, is to recoup some of that cost of the inspections that go into the units and rental properties throughout the city. Okay, I, I really don't see the point for such a large increase, but uh, if you think that, that that's, ne that's necessary, you know, Part of, the, part of the reason, sir, was that the rate hadn't changed for many, many, many years. It had stayed the same. So because we did this, plus we, in analyzing the fund, we were realizing we were not capturing all the costs associated with the rental housing program, that we had to raise the rates in order to um, make that um, self-sufficient. Okay, I understand. But uh, also, <coughs> you should understand that uh, all those costs, will be passed uh, on to the resident uh, that are paying the rent. And uh, in my case, I cannot increase that much rent <coughs> for such a like, like uh, legends. Legends, two bedroom apartment, are running around four, 14 to 1600 bucks, if I'm correct. I, I don't know the rates of uh, I'll Legends tell you or... the rate of one bedroom because my mom is living in, in Legends. She is paying 1160 for one bedroom. My one bedroom it's uh, barely 860. That's a huge difference, and uh, having having to pay same bill for my eight unit that it's built 1965 that I cannot upgrade or or do anything any improvements to attract the people you know. To come and live at that site, to compare to a legends, it's kind of uh, like uh, comparing the egg to a potato. If you if you get it, what, I, what I'm trying to say, you cannot co compare, you know, rental property, put them at the, at the same roof, whether they are built in 1965 or built in two, uh, 2020. It's a huge difference. Yeah, I totally agree with you. If we aren't going to raise the rates, then we're passing those costs off to owner-occupied homes that don't have the rental properties, and they're paying the property tax that then is, you know, using our resources to go out and do those inspections. Yeah. You see, Columbia Heights uh, does those things a little bit differently. They, they, they do inspection, uh, fire department does, 
those inspections. Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't get any increase from them uh, in the last maybe five years. And the uh, 11 apartment building, uh, I pay 475 bucks uh, uh, for renewal each year. Where I'm paying here for eight unit apartment building, 900 bucks. That's a huge difference. Yes, that's even older building, that's 1952. But uh, I don't know how they can ma manage because uh, Columbia Heights is a little bit larger building, a uh, larger uh, city. Correct. And I would say they have a little more rental property to go and ins inspect uh, than Spring Lake Park. And you said the fire department does those inspections? Yeah, they do the, the fire, fire department. Who are already on staff that are responding to emergency calls during the day and night? Uh, I'm sorry, could you repeat it? So the inspectors that are doing the inspections in Columbia Heights yeah, are they're already... Yeah, they're already like a fire, fire, yep, fire... They're already on the fire department, so they're, reconning, re, they're responding to fire calls 24 hours a day. So they're already staff that's within the city working okay. and then doing inspections during that. I think so. Right. So if they weren't, if they weren't doing the inspections, they'd still be on staff responding to fire calls and medicals. Obviously, I mean, uh, I would, I would assume so because they are in a in a fire department uh, uniform. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Uh, here we have a, a separate inspector, if I'm correct, <coughs> or maybe few of them that work for the city. Correct. Yeah. Yep. So it's a, a totally di di different uh, department than. Uh, uh, like in Columbia Heights. Correct. So that's how they keep the cost down. That's 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 uh, how they keep costs down uh, uh, to their tenants also. That's one of the ways. I don't. I can't recall. We we don't have our own fire department here. So we have we we're part of a larger fire department with Blaine and. Yeah, Moundsville. I kind of know this. It's a Spring Lake Park Blaine Moundsville fire yes. department. Yes. So so. We are not in control of their staff, so we can't go and assign their staff to do other things. So we have to hire our own inspection staff. So that's part of the reason why it's a little more expensive okay. here than. So the city of Spring Lake Park does not have own fire department. It's basically three city fire department. Okay, makes sense. Okay, thanks. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Talk to Ken again. Uh, nobody else here for that, so uh, with that said, uh, I guess you had no phone calls? No. Nope. Alrighty. I would entertain a motion to close uh, the public hearing. Well, I opened it, so I'll close it. <laughs> Thank you, Kenny. Motion has been made to Council Member Wendling. Simple motion again. All in favor? Aye. 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 The hearing is open. Public hearing is closed. Moving on to nine ordinances and or resolutions. 9A resolution 2023-44 adopting final 2023 taxes collectible in 2024. Uh, that's what's left over from truth of taxation basically. But Dan, if you would please. Uh, thank you, Mayor and members. Uh, we're asking the Council to adopt Resolution 2023-44, setting the final 2023 pay 2024 levy at $4,113,290. Uh, $3.8 will be going to the general fund uh, to fund operations. $24,078 uh, is reimbursing us um, for the uh, 2022 street improvement project. 
185,000 is our capital improvement plan levy, and 80,000 is for our 2021 AGO improvement bond, which is a refunding of the 2014-15 street project. Thank you, Dan. Come forward. I would entertain a motion for approval of uh, resolution 2023-44. Once again, I'll make that motion to adopt 2023-44. Motion has been made by Councilmember Wendley. Further discussion? Hearing none, Administrator, call the roll, please. Councilmembers Wendling? Aye. Goodwill Bischoff? Aye. Dirks? Aye. Moran? Aye. Mayor Nelson? Aye. Moving on to 9B, Resolution 2023-45, adopting 2024 general fund budget. Dan. Uh, thank you, Mayor and members. Uh, as I mentioned during the Truth and Taxation presentation, uh, this, is, this resolution will um, uh, adopt our budget that was in the packet. Uh, it establishes the uh, revenues at $5,341,466 and the expenditures at $5,341,466, so a balanced budget. Thank you, Dan. Council, any questions? I would entertain another motion to approve Resolution 2023-45. I'll move to adopt Resolution 2023-45, adopting 2024 general fund budget. Motion has been made by Councilmember Dirk for discussion. For discussion. Hearing none, Administrator, call the roll, please. Council members Wendling? Aye. Goodwill Bischoff? Aye. Dirks? Aye. Moran? Aye. Mayor Nelson? Aye. <coughs> Number 10, new business, approved 2024 public utilities budget. There you go, Dan. You're going to be a horse like me by the end of the day. <laughs> Thank you, Mayor and members. Uh, that's why I have my trusty uh, Diet Mountain Dew here. <laughs> Uh, so in the packet tonight is the uh, proposed 2024 public utilities budget. Uh, we're anticipating uh, revenues at $2,001,209, which is an increase of $219,000 or 12.3%. Uh, revenues are also anticipated at that same amount. Uh, this is due to primarily to the, the revenue increase is due to primarily to the implementation of the proposed rate structure. That was part of the 2023 financial management plan. Uh, cost drivers included uh, wages and benefits, printing and publishing, property casualty insurance premiums, uh, MCES, Metropolitan Council Environmental Services, treatment plant charges. Uh, that went up about over 8% uh, and transfers out. Uh, the budget uh, transfers over $200,000 to our public utilities renewal and replacement fund. Uh, this transfer, along with our revenues from our cell phone tower leases, pays for system improvements such as our an annual sanitary sewer lining program and various treatment plant improvements. Uh, we're also um, budgeting uh, $53,731 uh, 53, to the general fund to help offset general government expenses that support the public utility operation. And it's also transferring $160,000 to the City Hall Renovation Expansion Bond Fund, uh, offsetting debt service expenditures related to the upcoming renovation of City Hall. Uh, the budget um, uh, includes a utility rate increase uh, uh, 
for that uh, in, in line with the uh, study. And uh, the sewer rates, even with the increase, uh, we did a, um, a utility rate comparison with monthly usage of 7,000 gallons a month. And even with that, um, we went from being the lowest of, of cities all around us to being the third lowest. So um, we're still extremely competitive uh, with, um, with cities around us. Uh, the water treatment plant debt service, um, we, we paid that note in full. So that is um, that fund is closed and the remaining assets in that fund will be transferred into the renewal and replacement fund. Uh, for stormwater, we are anticipating um, $104,864 in revenue, uh, primarily collected from stormwater utility fees. Uh, the uh, stormwater utility rate is, um, will be uh, increasing to $2.11 per month per residential equivalency factor. Uh, so one home is a, a single family home is, a, is one residential equivalency factor. And uh, we are anticipating expenditures of balance budget in that fund as well uh, with um, uh, repairs and maintenance um, to the system and capital outlay being the largest portions of that. Uh, and then it also um, covers some salary and expense as well. Uh, so uh, the, uh, we believe that um, with these, uh, following the uh, financial management plan uh, that was uh, presented by Northland Securities uh, to the council last month, uh, and following that, um, we will have a very um, strong um, uh, utility that will be able to withstand the challenges um, coming forward for many years to come. So uh, with that, I'm recommending approval of the 2024 Public Utilities Budget. Thank you, Dan. Questions? Oh, Dan. Well, I ain't made one yet tonight. I'll uh, make the motion to approve the 2024 Public uh, Utility Budget. Uh, with all the numbers he just said, so I ain't going to try to remember all of those. So <laughs> any further discussion on that? No. Hearing none, administrator, call the roll, please. Council members Wendling? Aye. Goodwill Bischoff? Aye. Dirks? Aye. Moran? Aye. Mayor Nelson? Aye. Moving on to 10B, approval of 2024-2028 capital improvement plan. Dan. You can tell we're at the end of the year, right, when we approve all these budgets. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're pleased to present the uh, capital improvement plan. Uh, the capital improvement plan is proposing over the next five years just, just shy of $19.5 million worth of improvements. Uh, a significant um, amount of that um, is for next year with the City Hall renovation project. Uh, so, so that project is about $8.65 million. Uh, Parks and Recreation uh, is at $2.4 million. Uh, Police Department is at $585,000. Uh, Public Utilities is about $3.5 million. A lot of that is um, painting and maintaining um, water towers. Uh, Public Works, uh, $3.9 million. So there's some street projects associated with that. That's a large portion is the San Bernal um, 83rd Avenue project that we're going to do in 2024. And then the stormwater utility. 
Uh, it's important to note that this capital improvement plan is a financial planning document. Approval of the plan does not represent approval of any specific project within the plan, nor does it finalize the year a particular project will take place. However, the projects we've identified for implementation in 2024 upon approval of the CIP will become the 2024 capital budget. And uh, projects will be considered by the City Council prior to purchase and construction. So is there any questions regarding the capital improvement plan? Council, any questions? No. Hearing none, I would entertain a motion to approve the 2024-2028 capital improvement plan. I'll make the motion to approve the 2024-2028 capital improvement plan. The motion has been made by Council Member Dirks. Any further discussion? Hearing none, Administrator call the roll, please. Council Members Wendling? Aye. Goodwill Bishop? Aye. Dirks? Aye. Moran? Aye. Mayor Nelson? Aye. 10C authorized plans and bids for the 2024 seal coat and crack repair project. Terry or Phil? I'm going to give Dan's voice a break. <laughs> <laughs> Mayor, members of the you council. You were so quiet, I didn't see you there. <laughs> been paying attention. Mayor, members, uh, you're probably aware that the city has an annual street maintenance project. Essentially, the city's carved up into seven different areas, so every street in town gets hit uh, every seven years. And this letter in front of you is just to request permission to get plans and bids for the 2024 seal code project. It's essentially the northwest corner of town. And um, in addition to the streets, We'd also like to include a segment of trail, the trail along Osborne between Old Central and East City Limits, just um, to do crack repair on that. As you recall, that was we did a slurry seal on that a few years ago, and just to keep the maintenance up, we could repair the cracks, and we'd get better prices by including that with this, this bid for the street crack repair. What well, about a lake? From the lake back to Old Central. Old Central. Oh. I thought we just did that. It was been, it's been a few years now since that slurry seal was put. Time flies. Yes. So the action tonight is just request um, preparation of plans and, and putting this out for bids, and we bring back the bids to you at a certain time. One other thing to point out to you, um, the map includes 83rd Avenue between University Service Drive and, and Terrace, but that's going to be in the part of the bigger street project to mill and overlay that. So obviously that won't be part of the seal code project. Uh, I would entertain a motion to authorize the plans and bidding process for the 2024 seal code and repairs. I'll make the motion to approve the 2024 seal code and crack repair. The motion has been made by Councilmember Wendling. Any further discussion? Hearing none, Administrator, call the roll, please. Councilmembers Wendling? Aye. Goodwill Bischoff? Aye. Dirks? Aye. Moran? Aye. Mayor Nelson? Aye. Close to the end here. Eleven reports, attorney's report. John, well, Mr. Mayor, I can get us a little closer. I have no report this evening. You have no <laughs> report tonight, you chicken. He's <laughs> taking it for the team. And back to who was just talking, uh, Phil. Well, I really don't have a lot, but uh, seeing how this is uh, Terry's last meeting, I'd just like to take a second to thank him. He's always been very professional, and I know he's very passionate about Spring Lake Park and. He's been good to work with. 
administrator reports. I don't believe this is your last meeting. This is your last report. That is correct. So we we will have um, yeah take take that back and save it for next uh, for two weeks. So uh, we'll have a little more um, pomp and circumstance for Terry as he um, as he um, uh, enters into his his well deserved retirement. Uh, we've been spending a lot of time on City Hall uh, on the project, um, as you know. Uh, two weeks ago, we received bids, and so we're in the process. Uh, we've gotten the official bid tab, and all that's been calculated out. Uh, we will have a public hearing on the bond issuance at the next council meeting on the 18th, and then we anticipate um, uh, selling bonds in January. Um, in order to facilitate that, um, <coughs> we may need to move our council meeting, so I will... Um, I know we'll have to move our council meeting unless you want to do a special meeting. So um, it might have to be Wednesday instead of Tuesday because uh, it would already be moved to Tuesday because of Martin Luther King Day. And so then if we moved it to Wednesday, we would be um, outside of the 30-day um, um, waiting period on that. So um, it just saves you a special meeting if we, if we can move that. But I'll, I'll have that on the agenda for the 18th for you to consider. Um, so just think about that. Uh, Wanda and I met with um, a, um, a company that's uh, to get quotes for new furniture for, for Ford as part of our furnishings and fixtures um, and equipment budget. Uh, so um, we will get another quote on that and, and uh, follow through with that. So just a lot of um, uh, detail work um, to really get in the process of, of finalizing the budget so that um, so we know exactly how much uh, money we'll need to um, issue the bond for. So we're trying to tighten it up as much as we can. We've shaved off about $150,000 um, uh, off of the um, estimated um, uh, budget so far, and hopefully we'll be able to shave a little bit more off. But um, we've, we've done some uh, significant work on that end. Correspondence out there. Well, I'm going to ditto everybody else. Terry, uh, for the last 23 years, it's sure been a pleasure to uh, work with you uh, the way you care about the city. Uh, I've been at uh, lift stations with you. I've been under lawnmowers with you. I've been under dump trucks with you. Uh, <coughs> we did a lot of different things. Had the Boy Scouts here. Climb up and down the rigs and have fun and all of that a few years back. And uh, uh, your time and your effort for the city is uh, greatly appreciated on my half. You've uh, kept a lot of people, uh, residents, from uh, screaming and yelling because of your nature of uh, how you communicate with them and the professionalism you showed. So uh, my hat's off to you. Uh, been a real pleasure to work with you and an honor. And uh, residents of Spring Lake Park, uh, I think, believe the same is what I'm saying. I've never heard any bad comments of what you do and how you do it. And, uh, you know, you always get a few, but they don't, uh, they're just the kind of people that didn't pitch if they got hung with a new rope. So uh, 
I'll take that with it, you know, I mean, it is what it is, and I ain't going to sugarcoat it, so uh, it's been an honor. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. I will give a little speech at the next council meeting, so I will be here the 18th. You will be. I will be. My last working day here is the 22nd. I'm going to so. hold you to that. I will be here. My comments till then. Unless we get a snowstorm. A <laughs> <laughs> mayor, a couple more things that I forgot to add here. So um, who is planning from the council to attend the League of Minnesota Cities Experienced Officials Conference? I sent you guys an email, so yes. Uh, no, that is here in the cities. You're thinking of the annual conference okay. in June. Yeah, I've got to go check the date on that. Uh, please send uh, that to uh, Wanda. Um, make sure that in that email that you indicate if you want the uh, Friday dinner, and if you, if so, if you have any dietary restrictions. And the date I don't want to hear it now, but um, send that email <laughs> right, to Wanda. Right. Yeah, I was going to say, I sent the email to Wanda, but I didn't mention the dinner, so I'll make sure I do that. The date? I don't know what the date is. Oh, uh, i got to look it up in my email. You'll have to look it up in your email. It's yeah. the 9th of February or thereabouts. It's somewhere like around that. there, yeah. yeah. Oh, the one at Brooklyn Park or uh, Plymouth? At Plymouth, Plymouth, yep. Yeah. Uh, and then also, um, we will be having a uh, little retirement um, event for celebration for Terry on the 14th of December from 2 to 4. Here at City Hall. I thought at first it was for one hour. We're gonna beer. We have we, we have moved. That would be at four thirty, man. <laughs> uh, we we added an extra hour. So oh, okay. Party pooper. <laughs> I said after four thirty. I hear you. Uh, any other other uh, other from uh, council? Hearing none. Kenny, it's your job. Okay, I make the motion we adjourn for the evening. All in favor? Aye. 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 We are adjourned. <laughs>